Thanks for tuning in to the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suju Organic, where we inspire, educate, and provide advice and insights around those who are in the sports business and entertainment industry. Please follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Lastly, get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Excited for today's guest with Dr. Armando Gonzalez, also known as Dr. Mondo, founder and CEO of Cheat Code. And we'll get into a little bit of mental peak performance, mental health, uh, across athletes, entrepreneurs, and executives, and just really excited for the conversation because I know it's a hot topic across not only the sports and entertainment world, but just the world in general. Um, I don't know if you recently saw the Ted Lasso at the White House and and kind of his uh, recent episode where where they had some mental health uh, you know lessons that were kind of seated throughout the episodes to start off their season. So nonetheless, uh, Dr. Mondo, welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, you know, I, Ted Lasso is probably one of the shows that it's Ted Lasso and then, um, gosh, Billions. That's the, that was the other show that people oh, always brilliant. go, you know, it's like you're a little bit of Ted Lasso, a little bit of the Billions there where you're the hired gun coming in to try to figure out how to, you know, take performance to the next level. Um, have, I haven't seen that episode, but um, but I do like that show and I love what they're doing. And I, it's great to be with you, Jake. Um, yeah, I'm just excited to get into another great conversation. Absolutely. So we we've had one other guest on here to kind of talk about mental health at the executive level in the sports business world, but um, really interested to understand kind of what you're doing in the space, uh, what cheat code is, you've got a foundation as well, what the mission behind that is as well. Uh, and then let's talk about kind of the, the mental peak performance space in terms of athletes, entrepreneurs, executives, the difference between athletes, entrepreneurs, and executives. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. But uh, first off, just for, for listeners to understand, what is Cheat Code? What's your foundation? Uh, yeah. A little bit of background of how that came to be. Yeah, so Cheat Code is a, is there's there's two entities we have. We have a, we have a corporation um, called Cheat Code. And then we have a foundation, a 501c3 called the Cheat Code Foundation. Uh, they both are, you know, in partnership with one another. Cheat Code Inc. is more, is obviously the for-profit side. That's where uh, we've been fortunate enough through some of the relationships I've developed in the sports world to develop team accounts. You know, Cheat Code as a as a company, the mission was is this idea that for so long there there, there are these hacks, uh, these these cheat codes that exist in not only mental performance but in mental health, mental wellness, and like you said, everyone's you know more open to those than ever before. And so our goal is to find a way to source those those hacks, those cheat codes, and get them to our clients. And um, you know, our clients on the on the corporate side tend to be, um, again, more of the, the sports teams uh, or individuals that have that have hired me or some of my coaches to to basically come on and be their their person that's going to take this whole area of their life, their mental wellness, mental health, mental performance, and basically take you know a certain level of ownership over it. And give them a sense of guidance, um, a sense of direction, and also access to what can take their mental game to a new level. So that's Cheat Code Inc. And then Cheat Code Foundation. We we've often said, I say we because I've I built that with a few others, including um, 
our, the, the chairman of our foundation board is um, a guy who started uninterrupted um, as the, he's now the general manager there at uninterrupted, Jimmy Spencer. And, uh, you know, we started this foundation because we felt like, unfortunately, the, 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 the fine print on the corporate side is that often the people that actually need these cheat codes the most are living in societies and, and communities where they have the least likelihood of accessing these mental health cheat codes. And us looking at that and feeling like that's just not right, that we want to see a world where there's a quality in mental health uh, tools and access that we have. That's the mission of Cheat Code Foundation. How do we take these things where we're using with the top mental performers, folks uh, who've been highly traumatized, we're seeing great results with them being able to heal and rewire their brains and release those traumatic events from not only their bodies, but also from their minds and integrate those into their experience so they can live a full life. How do we take those same things that we're doing there with people that can afford to pay for it and bring it to people that can't? And so that's where uh, Cheat Code Foundation looks at, at making an impact. Um, and for me, you know, all of this, this journey is, 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 is pretty interesting. Um, I'm, I'm a spiritual guy, so I feel like it's been a spiritual journey that's unfolded, a path that, that I've been on. Um, but I didn't see this coming. You know, I, I, I have a background, a doctorate of psychology in marriage and family therapy, which typically isn't what you go into when you're wanting to work in sports performance. Um, but I had it as a, as a kid, I was a sportscaster. And I had a television show when I was 13 years old here in Sacramento, where I worked with the Sacramento Kings and the Oakland Raiders. And I was just a huge sports sports fan. And, and part of what I loved about my show was the interviews, right? Doing these, getting a chance to talk with, you know, Chris Weber, who, when I was a kid, never asked me how old I was. He just befriended me, gave me all the time in the world. And we'd eventually get into conversations about socio-political issues and we'd start getting into conversations about civil rights and his art collection and the family dynamics of what it was like for him growing up um, in predominantly a white school when he went there for high school and just all those things that that unfolded for him fast forward you know to me earning my doctorate having a local practice being a professor at a university nothing to do with sports um yeah, at that point, I was just a, I was just a fan, you know, just keeping up with the games and whatnot, but totally, you know, never, never saw the connection of sports being intersected into my practice as um, a licensed marriage and family therapist, doctorate of psychology. I never saw that happening until that that friend I mentioned who I started Cheat Code Foundation with, uh, Jimmy Spencer, um, he started getting athletes coming into his office that that were talking about mental health. And he had recently gone through his own mental health struggles. And he reached out to me and said, all right, what are the cheat codes? Give them to me. Like, what do I got to do? I don't got time. I'm an executive. I got to get this done fast, man. I don't have you know years to sit in therapy on a couch and just talk this thing to death. Like, aren't there new things that can allow me to process and, and integrate things faster? And I said, yes. So when those athletes brought their mental health struggles to, to Jimmy, uh, you know, he just said as a friend, man, like I, there's these new practices I know about. Um, that first athlete he connected me with was Dansby Swanson. And um, that was right uh, going into a pivotal stretch of Dansby's career. And, you know, the, there's a lot more to the story, but essentially um, that that's what launched the mental wellness practice for me, um, um, becoming a coach. And, um, and I've been on that ride for the last two and a half, three years. And I look up, and I've gotten a chance to work with stars and 
just about every single sport there is this past three years. Um, but what's been really cool too is watching those stars not only see an impact on you know on the court or on the field, but also seeing the impact it made off the field and off the court. And more importantly, even than all of that, is the fact that a lot of them have joined me to become advocates in this mission to get the cheat codes to everyone um, as our foundation looks to do. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, man. It unfolds every day and I'm just kind of trying to wrap my head around it, but um, something's happening and it's good and it's working and it's leading to more opportunity. And uh, I keep my, my, my mindset very simple. It's all about getting people to the best possible outcome as fast as you possibly can. And I think that's why I've developed a niche with executives and with, of course, professional athletes, because, you know, as you know yourself as an executive, there's just not a lot of time in the day. And you always are looking for what is the most optimal way for me to accomplish this goal. And I think that's just how I think. And it's been a great partnership with the athletes. I think one of the interesting things you mentioned, though, is that you don't have to be a CEO. You don't have to be a professional athlete in order to want that outcome quickly, to want to improve yourself. You can be 16 years old. You can be 24. You can be 30, right? It doesn't matter uh, at that point, you know, what your level of experience is in order to better yourself. Uh, But at the same time, there's a development along the way. And I think one of the interesting things and like, from a mental health standpoint, right? Like I've struggled with it in my life. And if you, if you have that vulnerability to talk to people about it, that have like minds to then go, Hey, how do, how do you deal with this? Like this, you know, I'm getting burnt out here or what, whatever the case was. Right. And, and that's can be part of a transition from being a collegiate athlete, going into the world where you don't have sports anymore uh, to then figure out the career path and so on and so forth. Um, there's a lot of interesting nuances there. So as you've coached all of these different athletes, entertainers, executives, what's the couple of things that you've learned from them as you've helped coach them? Because I think that's an interesting piece as well. You're constantly learning just as you're teaching others. I love that you asked that question. It, it's, you know, it's, there, there's always, you know, I, I say to folks at the end, like, you know, my goal is to give anyone, like, I always tell them, like, you know, they have these big giant emotional releases. They have these moments where they feel like they've finally put something behind them that had been weighing them down for years. They have the ability to go back into their, their, their place where they, they, they once found joy and it was a craft and it was about competing. And it became about something totally different. It became about safety and survival and just getting through it and gutting your way through. And, and they can go back to those places and be like, oh my gosh, the joy's there again. I feel like a kid all over again. That to me is my Super Bowl, right? Pour the Gatorade over my head. That, that's my moment. But what I tell them even in, in those moments is just so you know, the hookup is mutual because, you know, it makes me emotional thinking about it. But I mean, Jake, I get to watch people. You know, I know the question was, what did I take from them? But I'll start with the witnessing part. People come to me in like in very sacred moments in their lives and I feel like I said, I'm spiritual. I think anyone that got put in a role that I've been put in this last few years, you'd be spiritual too, if you didn't have a spiritual bone in your body body when you started, because I can't, I just can't explain the fact that for whatever reason, we know, we don't market, we don't go out there, but it's all word of mouth. And when I get in front of these, these folks, it seems like it's the moment in their life where they're finally ready to, to take a step forward and to put something behind them and, and release 
like I said, the emotion, um, stuff from the past. To witness that, forget the lessons I learned because those are amazing. But to witness that and just be with someone in those moments, it's the reason, you know, I, I sometimes teams will hire me. I have three days with a guy and I'll spend three days and we still talk, you know, months and years later because there's this bond that comes from just seeing someone in such a vulnerable moment. They inspire me because of their courage and their vulnerability. Um, it makes me realize that healing is possible and that science is catching up to understanding and explaining it. It makes me so hopeful. So the hookup I get from them more than anything is that consistently. You know, I, I went through yesterday working with a team. We went through five in a row exit interviews after three-day immersions and to hear one after one share these experiences and just reminding me of what it was like to witness them. That's the biggest hookup. The, the tangible, practical hookups that I get, those are also great too. Um, the, the first team that hired me on, because I was always exclusively players, I want to work for teams, all this stuff. Team that hired me as a contractor uh, was the Tennessee Titans. And, I'll, and, I'll, and to go to that point of what do you learn, you know, my relationship with Mike Vrabel to me um, is just very sacred, very special. And the ability to watch him up close and, you know, I, and, and to take things from him and what he's doing in a locker room to keep teams together during a seven game losing streak, what he's doing to prepare teams when they're the number one seed in the AFC, you know, looking at those things that I get just from being a fly on the wall, I get to be on the sidelines during games in the locker room. I'm constantly absorbing this information. I, I, it's impossible to really say it's like I'm doing this work where I'm helping these players, but everyone from Vrabel to the players I work with in session, they are imparting upon me all of this wisdom. Um, I'm noticing the way they do things. And I'm constantly, the researcher in me, the uh, ethnographer in me is constantly looking at it and just being fascinated by it and also implementing it. So there's countless things. I think that I did a series of, of five things I learned and I called it the psychology of greatness from what I've seen from my clients and, and just a few of those things that I've noticed and something that it's, it's, it's imparted in me is intuition. I think that the greatest uh, intuition and self-expression, the, the greatest performers, the greatest athletes, um, and also the greatest executives and also the greatest moms and just people in general, they have this deep-rooted sense of belief in themselves, belief in the direction they're headed, um, but also this rooted confidence that they can trust themselves, they can trust their intuition. You look at the greats and there isn't, you know, when you look at what we're trying to do, we're trying to get the quarterback to trust himself in a two minute, you know, drill the same way he trusts himself in OTAs. Now his body and brain knows it's two different scenarios. We want to get him there. We, the difference between him thinking about making that throw and instinctually making that throw often in the NFL is the difference between a completion and an incompletion or an interception. So what I've learned from these athletes over and over is that there's a certain amount of, you know, belief that you have to have in your gifts that you have. And this is tangible for all of us. I don't care what you're doing in life. You have a purpose. You have a calling. You have gifts that are inside of you ready to be unlocked to live out your purpose and your calling. And I think athletes the ones that are really great, they just are so comfortable with knowing that. It's like, I'm him. I know that. Yeah, of course. Like, I'm that guy. Like, when you put me in that situation, you're giving me the ball in game seven. Come on. Like, I know I can be that guy. 
which translates to when I'm on the mound, there, when the pressure starts to get thick, which it will, my, my response becomes to dig deeper into trusting myself as opposed to now in that moment, the true lack of confidence reveals itself. And I start to now look externally and now I'm, now I'm all out here and I'm not here. So there's so much that I learned from them, but I think intuition and then self-expression, that's the other thing too, is that I think, you know, I've worked with musicians and artists as well. And, you know, again, we all have this unique calling purpose and gifting for those things to, to live those things out. And the, and the, and the degree to which we trust it and express it will, will be the degree to which we see those gifts truly being unlocked. So, so many of us have had instances in our lives where we haven't been accepted for who we are at our core that we've gotten away from truly stepping into those gifts truly stepping into our true selves we're actually doing our gifted disservice we're not actually as effective as we can be so if you look at an athlete how does that translate to an athlete self-expression geez that sounds like something off the court how does it play into you know an on the court type situation the thing i heard yesterday from those five guys on the way out of those immersions when we were doing those exit interviews was free and easy, free and easy, free and easy. I got two kids, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. I'll tell you, I don't know how much of life for them, unless we're telling them what they have to do. That's a different story. It seems like all of life is free and easy, right? When you're five or seven, you don't got the frontal lobe blocking you, making you think twice. You're intuitive, self-expressive. It's fun. It's free. And think for so many of these athletes that the game has become something so different for them than that. It has become a business. It has become a grind. It has become a constant evaluation process. There's numbers that are associated with, with them to the point that it takes them away from being human beings. And they feel all of that. And they feel it and they go through it. And so when you're able to really see them for who they are as individuals and humans, um, it gives them an opportunity to start believing in themselves again, start believing in their gifts again, start expressing themselves again to the world. And they just do better because they're back in touch with playing baseball like they did when they were a kid, when it was free and easy and all. It wasn't about, oh man, my, my, my back hip though. I need to really do something to get that hip unlocked. It was just, no, like I'm in my body and grip it and rip it. Like, here it comes. Let's go. Like, and it's not to say that the other things aren't helpful. Analytics, you know, adjustments, they're all extremely helpful. It's just that I think we've bogged down so many people, so many athletes, so many performers with these metrics and these evaluate evaluations that we haven't come alongside them enough and invited the little kid out and 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 invited, you know, the incredible beliefs and dreams to come back out and enter into the field of play. Strangely enough, and that probably makes me sound a little like Ted Lasso, but strangely enough, I believe that's where the good stuff happens. I believe that's where people are not only happier, but they perform better. And I see it time and again. Um, yeah, so there's just so much that I learned, but I think intuition and self-expression are two things that from working with athletes, working with high performers, um, it makes me want to do the same. So I found that I've become even more intuitive in my sessions, even more trusting of my gifts, which by the way, allows me to know what I don't know. I just go, man, this is the thing I know how to do. There's a lot of things I don't. That's probably your gift, not mine. This is the thing I know how to do. And I know that God put it in me and I'm just going to do whatever I can to help people. When you think about the difference between athletes and executives, right? That they're 
to your point about high performers, everybody's competitive. Everybody wants to exceed. Everybody wants to outperform. Uh, they want the recognition most likely, right? And and to your point, there's a self-confidence of, hey, I'm in this role for whatever reason. But the difference between an office and the field or the court is is different, right? It's there's a different daily grind. There's a different window of opportunity. There's right. So when you think about the difference between athletes and executives, what's the biggest thing you've seen in terms of that daily mindset, that daily training? Uh, because as an athlete, you're focused on one thing, and that's to train and get better and perform. Whereas in the office, there's a lot more going on between you know work dynamics, between organizational culture, right? You just go down the list. What's the biggest difference there? I think it's similar to, it's a great question. It's similar to, I think, what we see happening when, you know, all throughout professional sports, when you see these these incredible athletes um, who accomplish so much get hired as head coaches. You know, it, it becomes, this is no longer, you know, it, it is the same thing, but it's not. Because I think the element that you're pointing to is that in the corporate world, there's a certain level of uh, relational skills that you have to have that are, are will be central to whether or not you progress in in your journey and with competition we can sometimes get away with not developing those right like in competition it can be like screw relational skills i'm, I'm competing against you let's go man which which is great in some ways too so i think that executives have a challenge uh, and this is why you know executives tend to from what i know and you, you probably would know even more about this but they tend to perform extremely well in the corporate world. They tend to perform really well in the business world because they have a certain level of diligence. They have a certain level of trusting the process. They've been used to being told, do this and then do this and it'll create this, right? And so they come into these working environments and they, they, they move up the ranks quickly. They excel fast. The challenge that some may find, um, former athletes becoming you know, into the corporate world, is that they may not have the relational skills. And the relational skills are where... When, when things get tough, rather than leaning on their team, they may go more into the individual mindset or the, the takeover mindset. Give me the ball. I'm going to Kobe, Kobe this situation. Get out of the way. None of you want it as bad as me. No, none of you are capable as me. And that's obviously going to be problematic over the long run. So I think that there's a heavier relational component and focus. And if, you know, it's just like anything. It's like if you're playing a game that is going to require you to have a certain skill in order to excel – for executives, it's looking at mental health, it's looking at relational skills, it's looking at your own internal journey and saying, all right, how's that going to benefit me as an executive, right? I always tie it to the end goal. So we know that executives have to focus on the relational components more. Well, how do we get better relationally? It starts with us. You know, if, if we are able to do the work ourselves, because we all have stuff we have to work through, all have varied degrees of trauma all have varied degrees of stuff that we're up against. Um, you know, this old idea that some people over, okay, we'll separate the people with mental health struggles over there, then we're over here, we're the tough ones, and that nah, doesn't work. The reality is we're all going through it. So the ones that are able to lead with vulnerability, engage in a process of, of, of working on their stuff, become more vulnerable and in touch and, and softer towards their internal selves, which allows them to be better relationally. It helps them understand and have empathy for others in, in team dynamics. Um, this is when you take that person who has that athlete mindset 
and then you allow them to grow in these internal ways, relational ways, that's when it gets real. I mean, that's where it's like, you're unstoppable. And I think of someone, you know, I think of a client that I've worked with, um, Lindsay Vaughn, and just, I worked with her during her transition outside of athletics. Lindsay is one of the most competitive. I, I wouldn't even say one of the most, because I think she'll probably come after me for that. She, sorry, Lindsay, you are the most competitive person I know. Jeez. I mean, like, I'm afraid of even putting that out there. Maybe edit that one out. I know competitive people. You know, I've done profile assessments of her strengths, her competitiveness, achievement off the charts, right? So when she was transitioning out of sport, there's obviously a crisis for her of identity, huge identity crisis. But helping her realize all those strengths that you single-mindedly applied in your diligence to the process of becoming the greatest skier is also the same amount of diligence that I'm going to have you apply to these other areas for your new chapter of your life, being an executive, being an entrepreneur, being an investor, all those things. And so for her, the journey became, okay, well, then where do where do I put my energy? Like the athlete, where, where do I, do I go work out? Do I go hit balls? What do I do to get better? It starts with you. Let's, let's do some work on you. The buy-in becomes a better version of me, not only helps me feel more at peace. That's a good thing for me. Better quality relationships. That's of course great for me. But on top of that, it gives me the ability now to practice vulnerability in my leadership and in my relational skills. So now I'm able to be have a greater ceiling for my capacity to join with others, partner with others. And that helps me in my executive world as well. First off, we're going to have to have you on for a second episode that there, there's so much to unpack here. Right. But um, as we wrap up the episode, I, I want to talk about just why mental health is a stigma within the world of sports and entertainment, not just the world, right. As a whole, uh, and what are the questions that you, if, if you could leave people listening with a cheat code, right? Like, what are the questions that you need to be asking yourself uh, to better be more vulnerable, to better understand yourself? Well, whatever those things are that you would leave with someone listening to this, uh, would love to provide that insight. Yeah, I think, you know, give me, give me the first question there. What was, I was thinking of the second one. What was the first question you had? First question was why why is it a stigma from a, from a perspective of sports and, and entertainment and so on? I think there's a stigma around mental health. There has been a stigma. It's, it's we're seeing it fade out. I think in in large part because you know a lot of the way that we've that we've thought about emotions, a lot of the way that we've understood mental health has been so ignorant as a society, you know, it's so, you know, um, I think we can, it's going to become from learning more. We haven't for a long time understood how emotions even work. This idea of a brain body connection is central to the belief of just about every society around the globe, um, for the most part, except Western civilization. And we we're newer. So we've created this new way of looking at the brain being over here. Okay. Your stomach hurts. Go see a medical doctor. Okay. Oh, you have anxiety. Go see a head doctor, <laughs> you know? Oh, you know, you're having this dilemma in your life. Go see your priest. You know, the reality is that, that all three of these systems are not separated on wings of a hospital floor. They they're interconnected. Sometimes that stomach ache 
actually is the biggest cue that you're having anxiety, right? There's are all interconnected inter, inter, um, elements. And so I think for a long time, we never understood that. And so instead, this old way of looking at it was, oh, <laughs> you're having thoughts you don't like. Well, be a little tougher, my, my, my man. Come on, you know, because it's, we didn't understand. It was this archaic, almost caveman version of understanding emotions and the body. And like, what we understand now is that many times, there's two things called, there's, you know, we of course know what perception is, but there's also neur uh, neuroception. And neuroception is all the unconscious information our brains are taking in at any moment, and then triggering automatic systems to respond to them. So, so often, if someone is freezing up in a big moment, that's from their neuroception. Literally, the information in their body and brain is telling their body to make an executive decision to freeze as a way to preserve their safety in that moment. We see that happen in sports all the time. If someone speeds up and goes into fight mode, I'm a huge Buffalo Bills fan. I shouldn't, maybe, maybe we'll edit that part out too. I don't know if I want variable hearing that. That growing up, I was a huge Buffalo Bills fan. We'll say that. There are times where I watch that quarterback who I love, Josh Allen, at times get a little sped up in big moments. His neuroception, something about what he's taking in is speeding him up. And he's not, he's not sitting back in the pocket and making decisions like he typically would. This is all coming from our understanding of science. It's all coming from our understanding of the brain. We're in a new frontier. For so long, we didn't understand that. So before these things would pop up and it's like, come on, dude, what's wrong with you, man? Be more of a man. Or, and we had this, uh, this toxic culture that would, you know, we thought we were doing that, the right thing, which was saying like, hey, be stronger, be tougher, don't think about it. When in actuality, we're actually creating more of a problem. So I think for a long time, this pervasive attitude, every athlete struggles with being in touch with their body to some degree, because we've been taught from a young age to push through it. Oh, what do you have? Oh, you got a, your knee hurts. I know, man, but you're tough, dude. Suck it up. Let's go. Right. So we, we've been actually trained the very thing that we can do, which is listen to our bodies, listen to our emotions. We've been trained as athletes or anyone that's played sports to actually go against that. So we're very good at noticing and instantly blocking it. That's creating not only more issues for athletes, but it's also part of the reason that we have so much stigma. So there, there's so many layers to this, but I think, again, it comes back to ignorance and a lack of understanding, which I think we're now, that's my goal is like, how do I take that science from the academic circles and, and, and teach it to coach Vrabel and teach it to the, the players in a way that's tangible? They go, ah, it makes sense. And then they can start implementing it. And by doing that, I'm not talking to them about, oh, you need to be softer on guys. You need to, but they're engaging in their work. And then guess what? When something happens, you're watching them handle it in a completely different way. You're, you're watching them own certain things. Like, Hey man, I, I got really, you know, I blew up on you. And honestly, like, that's my shit, not yours, you know? And like, you're seeing stuff like that happen. And that's where I think the culture of sports, just like the culture of the country is changing and our ability to have more empathy for one another, because we're doing the work ourselves. Finally, and science uh, and, and therapy models are advancing. And so it's a very hopeful time. And I think to answer your, your final question on the way out, what can you do? Um, one of the greatest frontiers that we will, that we will find 
successful people, you know, engaging upon is, is mental health, mental performance. If this is an area of your life that you don't have some sort of plan around, if you don't see this, whether you're an executive, whether you're a mom, whether you're an athlete, if you don't see this area as an area of your life that deserves a level of attention and some sort of game plan, then the reality is this entire world is set up to steal your focus and attention to it, and you will not grow in this area. We, we, we will, we will truly, at, you know, if we don't do work from the age of 18 to 65 on ourselves and we're never willing to be vulnerable, never willing to look at ourselves, never willing to do the work, we're too afraid, we will not grow in this area for, the, for our entire lived experience. It is up to us on whether or not we want to grow. The benefits are great. They impact your intergenerational family, meaning your kids, their offspring will have new patterns of behavior, new ways of thinking, no, new ways of showing up in the world by you taking a certain level of um, responsibility for your own mental health journey. Um, but on top of that, you'll also have greater internal peace. And, and, and I'm willing to bet you'll probably perform better in lots of areas of, our, of, of your life. So it's really about not one particular modality, not one particular path, but it's the question of, do I have a plan for this area of my life? And if I don't, then I think the places to go, yes, Calm app is great, but it's a supplement. You know, yeah, what, what you need to probably look into for the listeners out there is to, to work with someone that can help you truly start engaging in this, in this work internally. And that's a therapist, uh, a life coach, um, specifically people that, you know, practice brain-based trauma-informed modalities. Those are the ones you want to look towards. And if you're thinking anything I said kind of like stir something up and you've never done it and you're afraid, you're not alone. But I'll tell you, the benefit on the other side, even after a session or two, is wild. I've seen so many people go from being afraid of this stuff to being obsessed with this stuff almost overnight to where they become the biggest advocates. They want everyone doing it. I would implore all of us to have some sort of plan for this element of our lives. We know it exists. We know it matters. Uh, it's crucial. And so I think we can all start by just simply asking ourselves, what's my plan that I'm going to have for how I'm going to level up internally, my mental game, whatever it is that you want to call that? Love it. Love it. I love it all. It's, uh, it's fascinating. Um, really just to your point, the plan, everybody has a plan for something else, right? They, they have the goals, they have this, they have whether it's physical or work or whatever, but what's your plan for, you know, the mental side of things. I love it. Uh, Dr. Mondo really appreciate the time insights perspectives again, definitely having you on again in the near future and, Do it. uh, uh, always appreciate it. Appreciate you, Jake. Thanks for tuning into today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast presented by Suja Organic. Remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe and follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at Life in the Front Office. And don't forget to get your 15% off Suja at sujaorganic.com with the code LIFO, L-I-F-O. And stay tuned for next Monday's episode with a new guest and new content.